welcome, welcome to a special edition of Real Life with Lori. I'm your host, Lori. I have my, I would say, long distance mentor, person I look up to, and a person that I found on YouTube, thanks to one of my closest friends, Michael Brody Waite. Michael, thank you so much for being on the show today. Um, you know what it means to me. You know what the Mastery program means to me because I've probably, you know, done the incessant emailing too much of like, thanks for this. Um, so just thanks for taking time out of your busy schedule to be here and um, welcome to the show. Thanks. Uh, when you send emails like that, it makes what I'm doing worth it, though. So don't stop. Oh, OK. <laughs> I was uh, I was telling um, actually Luke, the one that introduced me to your to your video. I'm like, I think I sent him like six to seven emails in one day about how excited I am about the show. So him and his probably, and it's uh, his uh, EA are probably sick of me and like, <laughs> so much, but um, one uh, you we- did, you did sign one of them. Sorry, not sorry. Yes, I did. I did. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. Honestly, it's the truth because when you asked about my story, I was like, oh, I get to tell someone that like, I look up to about my story. Heck yeah, I'm in there. I'm doing that. So that's why. did it justice. Sorry, not sorry. Yeah. So, Mike, why don't you just get into about who you are, how you came to be, and, you know, what your program's all about. Sure thing. So, uh, backstory on me. Uh, so, 17, anyone to see my TED Talk will know this, but so about 18 years ago, uh, I, all I did was drugs and alcohol. That was my entire life. Um, I've been kicked out of college, kicked out of my job. I've been fired. Uh, <laughs> not just kicked out, like literally fired and then kicked out of my apartment. And then my car was repossessed. And then I was throwing up blood. And at the age of 23, I was like, dude, I'm not going to see my 30th birthday. Um, and if you flash forward to today, um, I got clean. I spent eight years as a corporate leader, working my way up the corporate ladder as a drug addict that was homeless with no college degree to a guy with 19 direct reports and a $250 million P&L in my 20s. Um, left that job and started my own company with my partner. We were the co-founders of Inquicker. We reinvented access to healthcare so that people can make appointments online. And we took that company from the middle of a recession, no investors and no patents and not knowing what we're doing to becoming an Inc. 500 company with 20,000% growth and all these great things. And we sold to a publicly traded company. Then I took over a nonprofit that had helped me and I spent three years helping 2000 entrepreneurs a year start or grow a business. And then I gave a TED talk called Great Leaders Do What Drug Addicts Do, um, which Lori found me through. And that led me to writing my book. And in general, what I would say is that everything I just said, I don't want anyone to be impressed by. Um, what I would say is impressive is the fact that 80 years ago, an addict had no idea how to stay clean or to stay sober. And someone created the 12 steps and suddenly millions of addicts and alcoholics around the world and people that are addicted to different things are in recovery. And so what I would say is I used that system, made some tweaks, combined it with my leadership system, and I built it as a new way to live and lead. Um, and so the testimony that I just said is all about the principles that I learned in recovery and how I've adapted them into my leadership. And so if you are out there and you have a loved one that is an addict or you're an addict yourself, what I would say is you don't have a stigma. You have a freaking superpower. And everything I just said is just one of a million stories that proves it. It's true. It's true. I, I can't t- say how much more that I there's nothing I can say except for affirming everything you just said about it, because um, while I 
I tried to go into different 12 step programs. I never could follow them. And I finally found smart and I, you know, I worked um, the AA book on my own. Um, But like those principles that are in your, in your program are things that I learned in sobriety. And now I, I, you know, strictly try to learn abide them as much as I possibly can day to day, you know, for my sobriety, but it's also um, within, you know, managing my anxiety and managing my borderline personality disorder, that those principles are, are part of my core, you know, my core beliefs to make sure that I live a healthy lifestyle. And with your mass free program, you know, with, with, you know, the authenticity and, and surrendering the outcome, surrendering the outcome was the hardest part for me. It's, it's just letting go because, you know, with having a perfectionist personality, if you don't, you don't want to let go. You, you don't want to, you want everything to be complete and perfect and you can't, there, there's no way you can only, you can only control what you can show within yourself and your, and your, and your resources. And, and that's about it. So, you know, your program. So is- the outcome. Don't, don't feel bad about that though. And I know you're not saying you feel bad about it, but like surrender the outcome is the hardest thing for everybody. Like it's hard. It's when addicts get clean or sober or any form of recovery that they're in, that's the hardest part. Leaders are taught to obsess over outcomes, not surrender them. Like we don't learn how to surrender the outcome. And that's why people are working themselves to death, carrying around a tremendous amount of fear of anxiety and stress all the time and actually hindering their ability to be as effective and as um, potent as they possibly could because they're worrying about things that they can't control. And I think we all get intellectually that we like that's not productive, but experientially it's really hard to put surrender into practice. It's the same thing. Like we all know we should eat healthy, but show me the person that eats three meals a day, healthy weekends and trips and never like eats, you know, anything bad for them or the person that knows they need to work out, but don't, or the person that knows they need to get to a budget, but they don't, or the person that knows they need to stay off. This is me right now. Stay off your phone when you're around your child. (laughs) <laughs> and it's simple, but it's not easy. And so I think the, I think these things sound simple. The real question is, can you put these principles into your life in a way that you start to build the equivalent of muscle memory so they become a reflex mm-hmm. in how you deal with life on life's terms? And that's where the real rubber meets the road. And so it's it's just it's a it's a challenge for everybody. And I'm just dedicating my life to trying to create. My big thing is, is that a lot of people talk about you know, authenticity or surrender, do, you know, so the, so practicing rigorous authenticity, surrendering the outcome and doing uncomfortable work are the three principles. People talk about that stuff. People get inspired and they don't do jack shit because it's, 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 it's great. It's inspiration, but it's not implementation. Whereas when I got clean, nobody said, Hey man, let me inspire you to stop using drugs. Like you can tell me to stop doing something until you're blue in the face, but until you tell me what to start instead, nothing changes. And if, if what to start instead, and you know, anybody that knows me knows I worship the ground that Brene Brown walks on, but none of the people on my team could implement her book because she is an academic and she didn't create a foolproof step-by-step system to implement what was in her book. But I had that through a 12 step program and I was like, surely. Um, if 12 step programs, smart programs, other programs like this can make it so that anyone, not just someone who's motivated or anyone can fund them. I mean, if a heroin addict can stop putting a needle in their vein every day for where they've been doing it for years and they can put together 10 years, not doing it by implementing a foolproof step-by-step system. Surely we can do this for practicing rigorous authenticity, surrounding the outcome and doing uncomfortable work, but nobody had ever done that before. So all I did was take something that was working in one arena 
and apply it to another arena where a lot of people are doing a lot of walk uh, talk, but they weren't doing a lot of walk. I mean, so if, if somebody, so we don't just say, Oh, a heroin addict can stop using. We say any addict can stop using and then they can use the same system and get the same results. And yeah. so instead of saying, okay, you should practice rigorous authenticity, surrender the outcome and do uncomfortable good luck. You need to equip people with a step-by-step system that they can implement just like a 12-step program for addiction to drugs. Well, yeah. for our addiction to hiding ourselves and, and, and not practicing these principles, we need a step-by-step system to do that. Yes, exactly. I don't, the, uh, the, the system that you're talking about, like, in, um, being able to help you do that step by step with the, uh, the, I can never say the word authenticity. Authenticity. Everybody struggles with it. <laughs> the amount of work. <laughs> if I could go back in time, I would, I would have used a different version of that word, but, uh, uh it works. It, it's accurate though. Um, yeah. I was telling you before the program, I thought I was one of the most authentic, raw, honest people that I have ever known. Because when somebody asks me my story, it's like, no bullshit. I'm just, I lay it all out there. And usually people are like, oh, okay, that's a little bit too much. And in your program, I've already started noticing areas in my life where I'm not authentic. And I'm like, how is this possible? I always go after the awkward conversation. I always go after like being raw and honest. And then, so I'm finding these little things creeping up and that's what I mean with with your program. It it even if it's it's from like you know a small part of your lifestyle to like larger parts. It's 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 a program for everybody to live a better life, and you know getting there and, and doing that uncomfortable work. It really is uncomfortable. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. It, it, it is. It is very. It is very. Like I always tell people, like don't come here if you want to be comfortable. Yeah. Come here if you want to save 500 hours a year. Come here if you want to unlock your full potential. Come here if you want less stress and all that kind of stuff. But like. Don't come here to be comfortable. That's what I would tell employees of the companies that I ran. I'd be like, don't come here to be comfortable. Come here to make a difference and grow. But like the 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 thing that you just said about um, you, you are an authentic person, but then being able to be aware of where you're not being as authentic as you thought. This is um, This is why I call it mask addiction. Like we're hiding our true selves behind a mask. We don't even know all the places that we're doing it. And some of it's involuntary. At the same time, I just did a speaking engagement yesterday for um, actually uh, an owner of a company and his and his team, and he's in the mastery program with us. and um, And so he had his whole team take the mask assessment um, that you can get at themasteryprogram.com. and And so, in five minutes, you take this assessment, you identify the one mask that's holding you back, what your authenticity percentage is, and you get a report. And he was like, "Dude, I don't understand what's going on because." Myself and my director of operations have been working your program for like four months. My team hasn't done it at all, yet our percentages are lower than everybody else on the team. And I was like, well, the reason why is when you start working this program, your authenticity percentage goes down because you start to become aware at how many times in little instances you wear a mask. Like the other day, a woman, a wonderful woman that that works at the place where I get my hair cut had my book waiting for me, wanted me to sign it. And I avoided a difficult conversation because I didn't want to tell her I forgot her name. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I don't even think about that stuff, but there's all these little things that I do where I hide behind a mask. And so in the first three months working the mastery program, your authenticity percentage will go down, but it's not because you're less authentic or because you aren't. It's because you become more aware of all the places that you aren't. And eventually it goes back up um, just like your time gets reclaimed, but it takes 
it takes fearlessness. And Lori, you have that fearlessness. You keep showing up and doing the work. So like you're only going to improve, but you have to understand the full totality of where all the masks are to be able to do that. Yeah. Well, I, I like where it, like it pulls me up. I've applied it to myself, but now it's kind of crawling into my business where like, it, again, part of my system, part of who I am, but I found that, um, again, all my, all my clients know about my disorders and my sobriety and some of them know the, the inner details of my past life and stuff, but I'm still, I found that I was wearing a mask for them. If I was having a bad day or if I, you know, didn't complete a task or like yesterday, I screwed up one person's newsletter and I felt terrible and I apologized, but I wasn't like, I didn't come out fully clean about it. And like, I'm like, oh, well, that hit me again because I wasn't being as honest as I could be. And it's just, that's where like, it's just, it's incredible how it makes you uh, things more apparent to you than you, than you didn't expect to have before. And, you know, it's, it's gratifying to know, and I'm always about um, failing forward. It's gratifying to know that there's these masks that you, you can actually take off, feel forward like a toddler, take those steps and learning how to react and how to better yourself. And so, you know, hopefully in the future, as you step by step, you won't be actually wearing that mask with that person or, you know, you won't be stumbling over your words when you're trying to confront them about a situation, which is what I'm now finding that I get to do, which is great. <laughs> uh, the avoiding difficult conversations one. That's the number one one. Yeah. Um, yeah, like, I mean, I always tell people this isn't about a destination, just like with a uh, substance abuse recovery or whatever, this is about the path. And for me, it's an instrument to stop getting in my way. Mm -hmm. Um, for me, the life that I want to live is like on my deathbed. I don't want to look back and say, I worried about what other people thought and let what they think stop how I lived. And that is something I worry about all the time. Um, I read this great book um, from Bronnie Ware called The Top Five Regrets of the Dying. And she was a hospice nurse. And she just talked about what people said that they regretted on their deathbeds. And it, oh, like one of the biggest ones was, I wish I hadn't been living my life according to what other people wanted mm -hmm. or what other people thought. But it is so ingrained in us. Like um, for me, uh, I put out these you know social videos and I got like some negative comments and it was like making me want to, it wasn't making me, but like I was wanting to start to hold back on my perspective. And so I worked the mask free action card that we all work in the program on holding back my unique perspective. I identified the things I couldn't control, the things that I could. And one of my pieces of uncomfortable work was to collect a hater. It was <laughs> like, I have to just collect a hater. I've got to collect, I've got to collect people that um, want to be part of the mastery program. And then I got to collect some haters. And so what it did was it completely tweaked my entire reaction to when someone put a comment on one of my videos and they called me a sociopath. And they said this whole like long negative thing. And I'm like, I don't think I'm a sociopath, but if I was, I probably would think that I'm not a sociopath. So who the hell knows? <laughs> but I don't think that I am. And I don't think the people around me think that I am. And so it, it normally, like I've got somebody that I'm their mastery sponsor who did this incredible video and she's got like all these amazing comments, but she's upset about the one that's negative. And yeah. so, and so that can just like hold us hostage and kill our potential, our energy, our, our health, our personal lives. And so by working this, this program, I was actually able to go, there's my hater. Great. And instead of taking like 28 days of energy, it took 28 seconds of energy. And I was able to redeploy that to focusing on other things. But these are, 
these are not easy things to do. They're easy things to say. They're really hard things to do. And that's why you need a system and a sponsor and a society of other people doing the same thing to be able to keep you on track. Yeah, I really like the idea of having a sponsor because it makes you practice it that much more. We were just discussing prior to the show about, you know, I'm at my 28 days for my unique perspective and it's time for me to just move on to my card. And because I've had a busier week, I let that excuse me not practicing or setting up my next turn going through it. And there was my sponsor checking in with me. And, you know, she's had a difficult life uh, experience over the last Shout week. out, Laura. Yeah, she's awesome. She just yeah. She just checked in and she's like, where are you? Where are you? Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. And she's been, she's been right there step by step, you know, like just being that uh, kind but true push where, you know, you, you got to get the work done. So, yes, Laura is amazing so far. So good. Yeah. That's the, um, um, what I always tell people about sponsors. And the reason, you know, being a 12 step program guy, um, I'm a sponsor and have a sponsor in that program as well. And I was trying to look for other terms when I was building the mastery program. And I know that like, uh, you know, in business, sometimes there's like mentors that they call sponsors, like, you know, in corporate America or whatever. But like, to me, sponsors are the best leaders in the world because instead of focusing on leading others, they focus on leading themselves. And then in doing that, what they, they do is they share all of their challenges in the process so that way, we, the people that are following them get a full visibility into the actual human experience of dealing with life on life's terms. Yeah. And so like, like in my book, um, I talk about um, in, in chapter five about sponsorship, about when my sponsor like fell off like the pedestal. Um, he acted like a complete maniac attacking this like dessert table and he was clearly yeah. addicted to sugar. And I was like, dude, how can I follow you if you're clearly acting out in your addiction in other areas? And he was like, I never told you that I'm your leader, your mentor, your whatever. I'm just another addict that has experience working the 12 steps and let's walk through this together. And I had never been led like that. And it was scary because at first I wanted to judge him for being you know, weak or whatever. But the cool thing is a sponsor leads by sharing their experience using a system that works. And so like for me, as a guy with 17 years clean, um, over 10 years you know, in different, or over 17 years also in over different leadership positions, the creator of this program Brooke, who you know, our director of operations at the Mastery Program, is not a recovering drug addict. She's only been working this program since October, but I made her my Mastery sponsor. And she it, she is so good at it because she doesn't have to be the expert. She just has to know how to work this action card every 28 days, help me do it so I'm implementing it one minute a day. And all she has to do is share her experience and bam, I get like my life changed. And so it's just, it's such a different way of thinking about leadership. It's not, you know, an executive, it's not a CEO, it's not even a coach or a mentor. It's a sponsor is just somebody doing the same thing you're doing that's willing to facilitate your process by sharing their experience. And that's just like very uncommon when we think about leadership. Uh, that's, that's kind of what the premise of this show is, is that um, it's, it brings it down to like ground earth. It makes it real. It makes it like encompassing where, you know, somebody that can make a five a fortune 500 company can work this and a person like a, a, a coordinator such as me as a virtual assistant, we're, we're all able to practice within the same program and, and get a, to be a better versions of ourselves. And that's, I mean, that's, that's what the whole, my, my purpose of the show is to show real situations where, you know, everybody gets the opportunity, whether you are the best functioning person on the face of the earth or you're freshly sober. And that's, yeah. yeah. 
So that's uh, an, ex- an example that I just thought of. Um, so like, cause I love what you're talking about. Cause like in the book, I talk about um, how, you know, a janitor can be the sponsor for a doctor. Mm-hmm. When you think about like our society that focuses on status and, and all these different things, that's just kind of a little mind blowing. And so for, um, so when I, when I started my company, we started getting all this like uh, press and we got like on this national TV show, Fox and friends. And when, when it happened, we were in a garage and I was like the leader and I had no idea what I was doing. And, and I remember thinking, well, I got to figure out, like, I know that too much exposure can kill a company. Um, and I'm the CEO, so I got to figure this out. But then like, I looked at myself and I'm like, you're, you have an email signature that says you're a CEO. You have no idea how to be a CEO. Like I'm a little kid in a suit, like trying to like go out on a date. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. And so, um, I, I, I really wanted to tell, I had like five employees at the time and I really wanted to share that with them because that's what I learned in recovery is the leaders share their experience, no matter whether it's good or bad. And, and at the same time, I had this message in my head. You're the CEO. You can't show your weakness. You can't show your fears. You can't show your insecurities, all this kind of stuff. And so it was like two completely different leadership philosophies converging inside of me. And luckily I'd been, I've been in recovery for eight years, I think at that time and, or maybe seven. And I went to them and I was like, guys, I have no idea how to be a CEO. And that's a problem for me. That's a problem for us. And it's a problem for you. And I thought that they would leave or think less of me. Instead, they rallied around me, helped me find a mentor. And then that became a practice where I would almost on a weekly basis, go to my team and declare my weaknesses without having solved any problems. And then like they could do the same. And then we would all go work on our weaknesses and come back. And instead of creating a culture where eventually we had 50 employees where People are like having seven meetings to solve a problem in one because they're hiding stuff and they're scared and they're trying to make a graph that looks like this, do this and, and all this kind of politics. Like everybody was just mask free. Everybody was able to bring their true self to work, work on their true self and go out into a masked world. And that was such a better benefit than a catered lunch um, or bringing in someone to do a meditation session. Although I love meditation, it, it, you create an arena where people get to be themselves and you get to also be really successful. We killed companies 10 times our size just because we had a mass free culture. We didn't actually have any other advantages. And it's just, it's a very counterintuitive way for leading oneself in this world. I think we're all hungry for it. So I think we'll pay lip service to it and we'll like watch the movie or the podcast or read the book and say, yeah, we should do that. But then when the actual rubber hits the road, that's where you learn whether you're rigorous. That's why I say rigorous authenticity. Anybody can talk about the moment they kept it real in front of grandma. The question yeah. is, what do you do when like, you know, the customers in the room or the boss's bosses in the room or the romantic relationship is on the line, like whatever it is. Yeah. That's, that's just a whole other level of being able to practice this stuff. And it just requires a level of intentionality and programming to be able to do it. Yeah. And I mean, that's the good thing that, um, I keep telling, I, I said this at a meeting a couple of weeks ago that, you know, I'm slowly manipulating my partner into coming into the program too, but like um, practicing it and practicing and practicing it because it's in your face. You have to read that one a day, um, your, your card and go over it and, and work with it. Um, I tend to have it on my desk, my, my desk background. So I'll see it all the time as soon as I'm, you know, opening up my, my computer or shutting it down for the day. But um, it's in your face. You're practicing it. You're in it in betters you every single day, and that's um, 
the one of the part of things that like, yeah, you can learn something. Like you said, you can learn something you can, and, and you can take it in. You can listen to the podcast and be inspired, but unless you're practicing and feeling with and growing and stuff, you're not going to get the, you're not going to get the, uh, the better of it. So, um, again, why I love the program, because if you're not practicing it, if you're not practicing it, it shows. And it definitely, um, with the society, uh, weekly society meetings, even those are, they help you stay accountable too, because, you know, you're, you're sharing your wins and, and, one thing I like to like to point out too is that even in uh, a f- what you think is a failure, um, the, the program and, and those uh, those society means um, show you how that you think is a failure could actually be a win. Whereas in like you know I had an uncomfortable situation with my partner and we, it blew up into a full weekend of an argument. Um, I don't know if it was you or somebody else, but like, it's like, how is that not a win that you guys got out that information and put it on the table together? And you're exactly. Being- yeah. Yeah. So. We, we, we keep wanting fairy tale movie endings and then we have to actually go out and live our real lives. And there's like uncomfortable things that happen And the victory. I actually had someone say back to me, which I really loved yesterday. They said, the victory isn't just doing it. Sometimes it's being aware that you didn't do it. The point is, is that it requires practice. And, you know, I think a lot of times we think, you know, we're going to attend the one workshop or the one retreat and we're going to be all good or we're going to read the one book or attend the, or do take the one online course or whatever. But like, dude, you can lift all the weights that you want today. That's not going to make you have the right muscle mass that you need for your sport or whatever a year from now. It's something you have to keep training. Like Steph Curry, I'm a Golden State Warriors fan. Steph, uh, Steph Curry can hit a three-pointer from 50 feet, not because he understands how to shoot a three-pointer. I understand how to shoot a three-pointer, and I'm zero for 10 every time I take a shot. The reason he can do it is because he takes 2,000 of them and if he in practice. And if he were to stop doing that, he wouldn't be able to do that. So it's a muscle, but then it's also a skill. It's literally a leadership skill. Everybody wants an authentic leader. They just don't know how to, they just don't, people don't know how to do it. And yeah. so you have to give people the how. So if they do it, they keep building the muscle. They keep building the skill. They don't let it atrophy. And then all of a sudden they look back on their life and they go, wow, like this is just like, physical fitness for my body. It's just physical fitness for my authenticity muscle. Nobody's yeah. ever talked about authenticity as a muscle. They talk about it as you either do it or you don't. And that doesn't acknowledge how fucking hard it is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's really hard and it'll never, it'll never be easier. It'll always be harder. The mm-hmm. question is, do, are we better equipped to overcome the friction in doing it? And does it become Muscle memory. And that's like the thing we always talk about. It has to become muscle memory, muscle memory, literally a, a reaction that you don't even have to think about involuntary, the same way it was involuntary for me to use drugs. It has to be yeah. involuntary to take the mask off. That's actually what thing what came up to my mind involuntary. Cause um, you know, when I first started going back to bars and pubs and being around friends and stuff, learning to, you know, I want the virgin drink or I want the non-alcoholic and stuff was uh it, I found like, I thought it, it was, it was easy enough for me to do and stuff. But when I finally got back in there, I was like, I want, Oh no, I want this. And like, and it became like, it took me a good couple of years to actually not have to think about it and become involuntary. But it was something that I had to practice over and over and over again. And that, and I found that too, like um, when I'm having a panic attack or the onset of a panic attack, I have to do my breathing exercises. I have to do my meditation, visualization. I have a whole system set up where I have to practice every single step. And then hopefully if it's not too, if I caught it fast enough, um, I'll be able to, you know, bring myself back down to a bit, a more balanced style. And that's, that's where I think you're right. Like a lot of our 
mental state is a lot like um, like our body and stuff and where we have to just, it takes effort, it takes practice. And then once you become subconscious and you automatic, um, then you find new stuff that you get to work on as well. So yeah, it's, it's, I loved how you used uh, NBA. Uh, is it the golden warriors are the NBA? Yep. Yeah. Okay. I'm not a big basketball fan, but that's my, that's my biggest joke about um, mental health and sort of like setting goals for it. So like I'm five foot, nothing. I'm never going to be a professional <laughs> female basketball player, but I can make myself the best basketball player I can be. And that's yep. my, like, is that like keeping your goals realistic and being able to practice and practice and practice and, you know, and, I don't follow basketball, but I love playing it. Um, so, you know, I go out and I do practice my sh- my shots and stuff. And again, I'm never going to be some seven foot Amazon lady being able to, you know, slam dunk some some ball. But I can. It sure would be cool, though. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure if I get a pair of stilts, I might be able to do it. But that's. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I haven't thought about that. <laughs> Next time I show up to play basketball after the pandemic, I'm going to show up in stilts. I'm pretty sure it won't help me. I. Pretty sure we all hope that you'll take pictures to put on your social media. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, maybe I should do some sort of like dare with the mass free program community. Like, if, if we get to a certain number of members, I'll go play basketball on stilts and take pictures. I mean, that would definitely make me share more for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I actually wondered right when I said that if that's like too self centered. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm still supporting the situation though. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know. So you're actually supporting my problem. I appreciate that. <laughs> Live to give. <laughs> <laughs> Live to, I like that. Yeah. So yeah. Um, I just wanted to say thank you as well for myself because, um, you know, like I always said that you've been a step in the right direction for me and my mental health, because I, um, I was holding a mask back where I didn't want to share my, completely share my story about who I was and how I came to be and how I think I'm living myself um, a more successful lifestyle and stuff. And then as soon as I, as soon as I saw your, your YouTube the first time, I like, I was in complete tears. I called the person that um, connected me to your video and I'm like, this guy, it was like, he's in his flip flops being authentic <laughs> right down to the point where I noticed in um, 16 minutes into the, uh, the YouTube, you actually get emotional when you start talking about, you know, sobriety and stuff. And I'm like, if this man can be in his flip-flops, being authentic, showing raw emotion and just being open with his story, why the fuck can't I? And that's where my, my real story takes off. And that's like where I had always been wanting to be on TV. I've always wanted to have a podcast. I've always wanted to share a message louder about, um, you know, mental wellness and addiction and recovery and stuff. And you were the pinnacle of like, well, fuck, I'm just going to do it. And that's, that's where I did it. And, you know, being able to have the resources because of being a virtual assistant, grabbing from everybody's, um, you know, what they do on their, in their own business and stuff, I was able to make this. So thank you from the bottom of my heart for being you and putting your message out there and creating such an awesome program. Thank you for sharing that with me. It, it choked me up, man. Like, uh, I still get, if anybody out there is struggling with something, man, your weakness isn't a weakness. It's a fucking strength. Like your ability to lift other people up. Like I did a Ted talk called great leaders do what drug addicts do. I got emotional. And yet the most comments I get on that talk are about the flip flops. <laughs> 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 like, I'm like, what? And, and, and so I think that like maybe not everybody's cool with flip flops, but people can like resonate with the attic part and, and being vulnerable part. And 
it felt like such a risk. So now that, you know, I've got the book and, and, and we've got all these views and all this momentum, it's easy for me to take for granted that, um, that felt really scary to do. But yeah. every time someone says, man, you doing that impacted me, it just, it just, I don't know if I'll ever stop being impacted by that because it just means so much to me because like I was scared. And the reason that I did it, I was fortunate enough to have enough success that the reason I did it was because I wanted to impact people. Well, so you saying that it impacted you, like it makes, I remember telling my friends when I did the Ted talk, when I did the book, of course I'm an addict. So I eventually wanted more, but I was like, if I just help one person, yeah. um, it'll be worth it. Now, of course, as I'm an, now I want to help more people, all that kind of stuff. And, I, and I'm addicted to impact, I guess. But you sharing that is just like, it makes it all worth it. So just thank you. Thanks for being a superhuman. Just a human. <laughs> well, yeah, but with your superpowers, I'll bring authenticity. More authenticity into I the know. world. I um, know, I know. <laughs> I, I don't take, I more seriously, one of my big problems, I don't take compliments well. It's something I need to work on. Is that going to be <laughs> one of your action cards in the new Seriously, future? seriously. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't know what, I don't know which mask it falls under, but seriously, like I am the most awkward uh, person to give a compliment to because I'll either make you wrong for giving it to me <laughs> or like just make it so fucking awkward. And someone will be like, okay, so we're never going to compliment him again. Um, <laughs> I, just, I just don't know how to take it. Because I, I, in my heart, like I feel unworthy, right? Yeah. Like I feel unworthy. And, and then I feel bad. I actually feel bad for the person because now they're doing something that they shouldn't have because I'm not worthy. And so I'm trying to manage their experience. You want to talk about sick, like codependent, like insecurity, imposter syndrome stuff. Um, it's real, but I think a lot of people struggle with that, but thank yeah. you. I, so, uh, 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 one of my favorite people who is in a, uh, who has a podcast called the magic hour Her name is Mercedes. She says, I received that compliment. And so I'm going to say I received that compliment. That's so awesome. Thank you. I'm probably going to have to steal from that and actually watch, go find out what she's all about in her podcast. Cause that's, Oh amazing. dude, you would dig her podcast. Yeah. That's, oh, it's, that's amazing. So, um, I don't want to keep you too much longer. Cause I know, again, you try to live your life balanced and you're, probably got booked meetings after this and spending time with your little one. So thank you very much. Um, again, if you want to check anything out, um, there's the masterfreeprogram.com. There's michaelbrodyweight.com. And like you said, your, uh, your one, was it I last checked, it was at one, just over 1,750,000 views on your Ted, Ted talk. Great leaders do what great addicts do is, is up on YouTube. Um, Reference to the book. Did you want to say anything about that, which is awesome? Um, I would just say that if if you watch the TED Talk and you want to know how to practice rigorous authenticity, surrender the outcome, and do uncomfortable work, or you just heard me say that, um, I wrote the book to be able to walk you through step-by-step how to do that in a way that actually allows you to finish the book with something to implement rather than just like a bunch of hope and I don't know what to do. Um, so... I wrote it for you if you're out there and the title is great leaders of like drug addicts, how to live your life, like how to lead like your life depends on it. And yeah. uh, it's available anywhere. And it's, I started off to be on, to be rigorously authentic. I started off with thinking I could handle just the audiobook, And then within two weeks of re-listening to it a couple of times, I'm like, gotta get the physical copy. So because of the, because of the worksheets. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, that was really when I did the audio version of the book. It was really awkward to try to figure out how we we're going to do the worksheets, and I was like, "Dude, I don't know." But <laughs> I <laughs> well, still think we're figuring that out. Yeah. So, props to you. Props to Brooke for bringing the 
mastery program into the world. And if anybody wants uh, more information from a person that abides by it and, you know, truly believes in the work that you guys are doing, hit me up. You'll probably get me fanatically talking about how awesome it is. And um, thanks for everybody who's watching. And Mike, again, thank you. Oh, thank you. And thanks to everybody that's watching too. All right. Cheers. And you all have a great day. Bye now. Bye.